Good morning, everybody, and welcome back to part two here on the Chase Thomas Podcast, a Thursday morning, March 3rd edition here on the Chase Thomas Podcast. Uh, the full ride with Matt Green is on this edition of the show. Uh, if you missed last episode, guess what? It's right here in your feed, right before it, uh, John Taylor on uh, all things Major League Baseball. But on this particular edition of the Chase Thomas Podcast, yeah, full ride, Matt Green, fellow University of North Georgia alumni. We do this every Wednesday night. Um, yeah, all things college football. Uh, we're going to start doing a weekly theme uh, for this offseason. And for today on the podcast, we focused on, yeah, we focused on the five teams who uh, make the leap in 2022. Um, it's based on what they did in 2021. And then we just kind of, we put together our own list to figure out who is most likely to make the leap in 2022. So it was a lot of fun. Uh, won't spoil who makes each other's list, but there is one big surprise at top of mine. I can confirm that. Um, but yeah, uh, all that and more coming up in just one second. Don't forget folks, uh, you can subscribe to this podcast if you're not already done so on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, if I ever get your podcast and if you do subscribe and like this very podcast please do uh, make sure you leave a five-star rating and review on apple Podcasts, spotify or wherever you get your podcasts uh, reviews and all that kind of stuff help more than you know helps other people find the show you can email us with any college football questions that you might have for future episodes mailback episodes anything like that at chase thomas podcast at gmail.com you can also uh, follow matt at matt underscore to be underscore green uh, for all things college football and uh, yeah, go check out ChaseThomasPodcast.com where you can get access to all of my previous episodes and all the information you need about this very show. Uh, but yeah, all right, part two coming at you, uh, Uncle Darren. How'd I do? Nope, not what I meant. That's Uncle Derek. Yeah, you know what? I'm not redoing all this. So Uncle Darren, let's go. Uncle Derek, I'll get to you later. Chase Thomas Podcast. The Chase Thomas Podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate, I already hate it. I hate it. All right. Full Ride is back. Oh, yeah. The Full Ride here on the Chase Thomas Podcast. All things college football coming up in just one second. But first, Matt Green, fellow University of North Georgia alumni, we have to talk about our attire. Like, if there was ever any confusion <laughs> as to where you and I stand, where you and I are from, um, I think just there, there, on your side, the Georgia Brave stuff, you're wearing a Brave hoodie that I actually own, and then I got the Mississippi Braves uh hat on yeah, see, right now. i feel like you you called me out for only mm-hmm. owning like two hoodies so i had to uh i had to bust out the world series gear this week mm-hmm. um but i'm loving that loving that uh that mississippi braves hat right there that was like um i mean as a braves fan and name starts with the letter m I feel like it's mm-hmm. pretty pretty quality same like when the gwinnett braves um mm-hmm. with the g and the although the gwinnett stripers now but yeah. Uh, but yeah, I I uh, respect that. The Mississippi Braves don't exist anymore, right? No, they, they do. do. The Richmond, that, yeah. Richmond is what went to Gwinnett, right? Correct. Okay. Yeah. Now they exist because I watched them in person at the Tennessee Smokies games. It was a house divided uh, with the Tennessee <laughs> family. And I was rocking my uh, vintage 95 Chipper Jones uh, World Series jersey. And uh, I don't know. It was a lot. It was a hostile environment to to uh cheer openly for shea langliers and uh him just hitting dingers off those tennessee smokies but when they're not playing the smokies i, I will where, where smokies are the smokies play. severeville okay no yeah so no, no idea well severeville is like it it's dot it's the home of dolly parton so it's basically like okay. 20 to 30 minutes outside of knoxville so it's not far it's a it's not a bad drive but they're actually moving downtown knox in the next couple of years so uh, the tennessee oh, smokies cool. 
yeah, actually not far from where we live now. Um, but yeah, there is your minor league update because we're only doing minor league stuff on this podcast because major league baseball, Dude, the last minor league baseball thing I'll say, did you know that mm-hmm. minor league teams change affiliates throughout the years? Wait, what do you mean? Like they'll just swap with a franchise and like just become an affiliate of a different organization. Like the Merle oh, yeah. Pelicans, the, the, was mm-hmm. the Braves at one point, And now I don't know who they're with now anymore. But that blew my mind. I heard that like, I don't know, a few years back that mm-hmm. I just assumed they would be the same organization forever. But that's, I don't know. That, that, I did not know that. Yeah, no, I know that because like NHL does the same thing. So like the Gladiators have been multiple people's affiliates. So right now, and I think for the last couple of years, they've been the Bruins. Shout out to Atlanta Gladiators. Atlanta's one okay. true hockey team. But um, I want to say they were the Coyotes before. I um, honestly didn't even know they were affiliated with the NHL. I thought they yeah. were just a minor league hockey. I didn't uh, I didn't even know that. Yeah, ECHL. Um, those games are fun, man. I've been to a lot of uh, Atlanta Gladiators games back in the day. And a lot of uh, Gwinnett Stripers games too. Yeah. Are they Atlanta Gladiators? Or yeah, they Gwinnett became Gladiators. So they used to be the Gwinnetts. Funny you ask. Uh, they, okay. But once hockey was gone from Atlanta, there was an opening <laughs> for an Atlanta name. And Fair if there's enough. one thing I think about when I think about Gwinnett Arena, I think downtown Atlanta. So it worked out. Sugar Well, Love. no, mm-hmm. but if there's one thing that descri- truly describes Atlanta, despite whatever that rap video that came out last <laughs> week or two, is that yeah. nobody's actually in Atlanta. Everyone mm-hmm. is uh, just in the suburbs, you know, College Park, Forest Park, like Lawrenceville, Snellville. Even the Braves aren't even Atlanta anymore, so... Oh well, hold if on. Be careful here. True, if there's one thing that's true to Atlanta, it's it's not actually being in Atlanta. And it's just funny. I wonder if other states are like this, where people fight, or other cities are like this, where people really have so much hostility and will fight about where somebody's from and take it so personally based on what part of Atlanta you identify with. It's like I wonder if people in San Francisco have like this same kind of argument about like, no, you're not actually San Francisco. You're you're. Uh, somewhere else. I don't even know. I don't know their geography enough. But, I'm sure, yeah. yeah, right. I'm sure other plenty of cities have that kind of thing. But I think Atlanta is like one of the biggest suburban areas. Like, mm-hmm. like I think Atlanta as a city is like 30th or 40th biggest city in the country. But the metro Atlanta market is like the 10th biggest market in the country. So it's like a very, very different numbers. But Hmm. That's, I don't think that's what everyone tuned into the podcast for. A little, a little Atlanta geography, minor league baseball. We, we, we hit everything. I mean, hey, we get, look, I mean, that's what we do. And we should also give a shout out to the undergrad. Look, I got some stickers for you, John, or for Matt. Look, I got North Georgia right here. The YouTube folks can see it. The old school North Georgia. This is when my dad, he played soccer at the University of North Georgia back in the day. And uh, yeah, this was their, the Saints right here. And then we got us right here this is the the one we graduated with the, oh, the old night cool logo right yeah i like, I like this that. one uh so shout out to the it, you don't tell me i never i never rep the undergrad matt green <laughs> don't tell me it's all tennessee all the time no they're still the these these veins run a lot of orange and white but don't get it twisted there's still some blue and yellow seeped in there still it's it's seeped in there you gotta stay repping the nighthawks man nigel would be proud Nigel would be proud. Um, I got in a little bit of a Twitter thing. You liked it. I saw it. So I know where Matt Green stands on our future and just how he sees me <laughs> as a colleague is that um, this morning, Logan Booker, who I think just bookmarks my tweets. Shout out to Logan Booker. Uh, 
and waits for me to say something about Tennessee because his fan base, because he's a super fan. Great dude. I've known Logan a long time, but people watch what Logan tweets at and Georgia fans specifically watch what he tweets at. And then I had Georgia fans in my mentions this morning, like, Hey, uh, send me your email and we'll send a calendar invite and I'll reconnect with you. So I'm like, I'm like, what? What is I happening? I saw that. I wasn't sure. Was that like a, so we revisit this, a freezing cold take kind of thing? Is that right? What and I was like, for? I don't know. It's just a little awkward to me, a little too, yeah. too on the nose. I was pretty much out on that. But uh, he said, quote, great choice. I've, cause the whole thing was like, uh, my, my company shout out to outsider go check out outsider.com if you've not already done so but they asked uh in your experience which stadium provides the best college football environment and of course i put up uh, a video of me and neilan one of the many times i've been in there um but yeah neilan i mean even if i wasn't a tennessee student and also just a tennessee guy i would still probably pick them like i've been in sanford i've been in a lot of different places like still number one for me but either way he uh, he did not take any he, he did not hold back any punches here because he put quote great choice I've thoroughly enjoyed uh, watching my team win five of the last six trips there too bad Nick Chubb blew out his knee on the first snap of the only loss he was pretty good and I was looking at the likes and one of the likes nine different Georgia fans jumped in on this and one of them was a Matt underscore W underscore Green. Explain yourself, sir. What What is this? Uh, are you siding with the other folks who are trying to dunk on me just well, because I'm enjoying all, my balls? First, did I not like your tweet? Uh, of, which one? Uh, of the Tennessee, just your Tennessee, I don't know, your stadium, whatever you posted. Oh, di- okay. I'm not sure if I did or not, but... um, You did not. You just did a loud Hulk Hogan thing. I did. I thought that was a good response. I felt like uh, that was mm-hmm. a... As, as good as... I agree. I've been to Tennessee, and I feel like just the stadium... Al- al- alone it's just it's just a very cool stadium it's just a huge you know hundred thousand plus seat stadium it's a coliseum like it's just a different thing yeah that's a good description it's not necessarily built not every stadium is kind of in that coliseum kind of shape like georgia's got Mm -hmm. some open ends like florida as cool as florida is because florida's got the real steep sides it's it's not it doesn't look like a coliseum but Mm. i would just logan booker you know shouting out the five of the last six wins in Neyland. Mm-hmm. And I thought, you know, that is, that is something I like. So I will, I will like that. But see, Georgia was not involved in any of this. I wasn't even taking any shots at Georgia. I was just minding my own business, uh, emphasizing the greatness that is Neyland stadium and the game day experience. And then there's Georgia fans popping out of nowhere. The insecurity, you just won the title. What are we doing here? Why are you guys freaking out about Tennessee fans just being excited? Cause I, I tweeted out the article that we'll talk about in a little bit. Um, Tennessee, there's a lot of optimism right now. Uh, things are looking up. The, the Vols are looking good. Look, I mean, Max is it, Max or Zeus is super excited about this take. Um, but yeah, I was just out here minding my own business, Matt Green. And, and this pops up. And then I was like, I shared out this great piece, uh, totally not biased in my perspective on why I like this piece on Saturday Down South about why Tennessee is the next elite SEC East team. And he said, quote, Jim Jones convinced thousands of people to drink Kool-Aid they knew would kill them. Same type of vibes coming from this article. What's happening? What? I, I didn't I didn't like that comment. I don't think I don't believe I liked that tweet because I was like, you what? did not. I'm not sure what he's talking about there. Um, like we're going yeah, down to suicide. Like, what I are we doing here? I wasn't necessarily sure what that article was going for. Like, mm-hmm. is it just that Tennessee is going to be like the next really good program coming out of the East or yes. like they're going to have their turn of dominance 
Like, I don't think that's. I don't think we're going to recruit well enough for that turn. I don't think that's going to be a possibility. I, that would. I mean, obviously, I would love that, but I don't think that's in the realm of possibility. It's more of like locking up the tier two. I saw today, like I almost fell over ESPN's top twenty-five today that had South Carolina and Kentucky in there, and Tennessee was not in there. I, I almost fell over. I, I, I just, I, that, I, that, that hurt my soul. Use, you're gonna have to get used to this, this Spencer Rattler thing, because that's what it is. So much of yeah. like, people like Shane Beamer and everything, and like they had a breakthrough season. But it's Spencer Rattler. I feel like people just thinking like he's adding like three wins to their schedule. And I'm just <laughs> he's going to make a difference. He's, they're going to their passing game is going to be better than it was in, in 2021. But like this is still South Carolina. And I'm not sure how many wins are on that schedule. Like they're going to be a, they're going to be a quality team, I think, in 2022. But yeah, I'm afraid you're just going to have to uh, understand that's that the preseason hype machine. It's going to be all over Rattler. I don't like it, but it's also like we just saw S&P Plus, a great stat from Bill Connolly, has Tennessee at number nine, an ESPN stat now, and then we have them nowhere to be found in the top 25. We just, we're putting Kentucky, like Tennessee, all right, let me check my notes here. Give me one second, Matt Green. Let me dot some eyes. Dun, dun, dun. That's right. <laughs> we won both of those games last year. 2-0 and against Kentucky and South Carolina. That alone doesn't, doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to be better in 2022. I do think Tennessee is going to be better than Kentucky and South Carolina and in 2022, but you know, preseason hype, it is what it is. You know, I, I, am surprised Tennessee seems like, like if you're going to hype up, like this is kind of what we do in the, in the off season, we like, we revert back to the brands and you're like, Oh, you know, Texas, they, I know they weren't good last year, but I could see Texas being good. Like, Oh, well, hold LSU on. She wasn't I, good last year. But I could see LSU being good. Like, so we just kind of have these biases and Tennessee seems to fit that more than Kentucky or South Carolina. Like, like if Tennessee in two years is competing for the East and like potentially getting, an, if you're talking about the next team to actually make the sec championship, like it's not even close. Like there's no chance I'm picking Kentucky or South Carolina to make the SEC championship before Tennessee. Granted, I don't know if I'm picking Tennessee to win the East in the next year, two years. We I mean, Florida just that. did it. Florida That's had an true. unreal offense. They had an, like Tennessee could do the kind of season that Florida just had two years ago. Like that is absolutely on the table. They could, but Florida just consistently, like Florida has not been, was not down as long as Tennessee has been down. You know, like, I mean, Jim McElwain for whatever you want to call his tenure at Florida, they won the East both of his first two years. So just what are we going on now? 15 years that since Tennessee has been to the SEC championship, like Florida's probably got what five, five SEC championship appearances since then one SEC title. So it's just been a while for Tennessee, but I, I think, I think they're right back in there. So if you had to, if the conversation was who's the next SEC East team to make the SEC championship, not named Georgia, you could convince me either way of Florida and Tennessee. I would probably pick Tennessee right now, but if Georgia is just running the East for another two or three years and and that kind of buys Florida some time to catch up to Tennessee, I could, I could see Florida doing it first too. So I also think if you ask Kirby, like if you gave him some true serum, and I'll get Kirby on the podcast at some point. He's a big fan of the Chase Thomas podcast. I'll get him on. <laughs> and if I do, like if I asked him point blank and he answered honestly, like who would you, who in the SEC East scares you the most in 2022? For just a one game, any given Saturday type situation, who actually scares you the most? I guarantee he would say Hypel. 
Guaranteed. I guarantee you what he saw in the first half last year. He's like, well, they did that three quarters against Alabama. They did that to us. Like, we're not going to have the same defense we did a year ago. Like, I could... There's a scenario where, like, if we play that game 10 times, like, Tennessee could win two of those times, three of those times. Like, there are scenarios where that's a possibility. I don't think he feels that way about anyone else in the East right now. I don't think he is losing sleep at all about any of these teams right now. But I also don't think he's fearful whatsoever of Spencer Rattler in South Carolina. Definitely not Kentucky. Like, he could just sit out the Kentucky week and they could still beat Kentucky. Obviously, not missing. Closer games Georgia had in in 2021 was. Yeah, it's not happening again. I don't know if you've seen who's under center and just the the state of Mizzou. It's not happening. Um, And then you look at Florida, it's a rebuild. Like, Billy Napier is doing a long term rebuild here. This is, they're not coming anytime soon. So it's really just Tennessee. And it's like that offense, if Hendon Hooker is a Heisman type guy, and we're going to get somebody else. So there's something else to monitor, folks, is that Tennessee, because they didn't, did not get Isaiah Nair, who was committed and he was going to come at the last minute and then pivoted to Texas, um, they're adding somebody else in the portal. So after spring practice, they're going to get another big name. I don't know who it's going to be officially yet, but they're getting another big name. And they're hosting the five-star out of uh, California. I'm not going to butcher his name, but he's here for his second appearance um, this weekend at Knoxville's family stand from Thursday to I think Monday or Sunday, something like that. But he's getting the full treatment, man. If we, we're in there, we're in the top four. He's right now leaning Oregon, but I think he's a number three kid uh, behind Nelson and uh, Arch Manning. But yeah, I don't know. Things are looking up. All the, the broad point I'm making here is Georgia fans leave Tennessee fans alone. Like we're enjoying things right now. Like we're like, we've left you alone. Like you won the title. The banner will hang forever. That's great. But that doesn't mean we can't be optimistic and mind our own business and be like, wow, this is fun. And this looks encouraging. And then for them to just stomp and be like one, five of six. What, what are we doing? What, what are we doing? That's that's college football, man. That's, that's what we do. We, we bring up all this history. That's really not relevant to the, to the current landscape of the, of the two teams. The one thing I will say, say that again. We'll do your part, Matt Green. Step up, (laughs) be a teammate. The one thing I will say about your comment, like I would agree, Tennessee is the most dangerous team from the SC East on Georgia's schedule, but Tennessee plays Georgia in Athens and plays South Carolina in Columbia. So that could be the one thing that, you know, South Carolina, that atmosphere, it gets it gets pumped. Matt Green, no, stop this but right I now. No, we're winning by we're winning by two, three scores in Columbia this year. Like two to three oh, no, scores. I'm talking about Georgia's Georgia plays Tennessee and Athens and plays South Carolina and Columbia. So just, oh, okay. just, from, Georgia, yeah. just from Georgia's perspective. But yeah, mm-hmm. I definitely think Tennessee is the 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 second the number one contender, I guess if you will, in the in the East. Well, Matt Green, let's let's hit on so we our theme on this episode. We should do our theme. So, well, actually, before we get into our theme, you have a trivia question that you want to throw at me, I believe. I do, yes. This okay. is more, um, on, um, a bit more appropriate for last week's episode. Okay. We talked about the next team that has not made the college football playoff. So this is along those lines. So I want you to name, see how many of these you can name, the Power 5 teams with the most wins – since 2014, the college football playoff era that has not made a college football playoff appearance. Wisconsin. Wisconsin is number one. Do you want to name the whole list? Do you want me to go down the list? Do you see how many you can name? That was the, I, I knew, I, I was like, oh, I Gary. Let me look this. I believe it's Line seven. me up. 
75, yeah, 75 mm-hmm. wins for Wisconsin. Mo- the most of any team that hasn't made the playoff. Who, who else you got? So how many other teams am I trying to name? There's seven, two teams tied for six. Penn State? Penn State, that is correct. Mm-hmm. Penn State is fifth on the list, 67 wins. Okay. Um, hold on, I'm thinking. I'm looking at teams. Hold on, I'm thinking. TikTok. I'm thinking. Hold on. I'm thinking. Still thinking. Still thinking. It's dead uh, air. I know. <laughs> um, that, was impression. that was good. Um, hmm. I'm still thinking. Hold on. Give me five. Uh, BYU. Incre- power five. Oh, power you said power five. Okay. Um, Hmm. So you're BYU. I haven't even looked at their numbers. They might could. They might. Iowa. Once they're uh, Iowa's number three, mm-hmm. seventy wins. Got anything? And how else? many more? How many more do I need? You got uh, five, four more. Four more. Oh my goodness. There's two uh, teams six. Uh. Utah. Utah. They're number four. Mm-hmm. Sixty-eight. Okay, I'm, do- I'm doing okay. Um, 72 and two teams tied with 65 wins. Florida? Florida is one of the ones tied with 65 for sixth place. Um, who else am I missing? I feel like I'm missing someone obvious. Uh, I think this may have been Michigan. my... Oh, go okay. ahead. No, I was, like, was going to say Michigan State, but they made it. Uh, um, Oklahoma State? Yes, number two. Okay. They're 72. And then you got the one more tied for sixth. The one more tied for sixth. Uh, tell me the conference. Uh, might give it away. Uh, uh, SEC. Oh, SEC? Uh, Kentucky? Incorrect. No, hold on. It's not I'm Kentucky, kidding. then it has to, no hold on. I said AM. It has to be No, you didn't uh, say AM. I That's thought I did it. say AM. We can go you may have. Uh, I didn't hear you, but yeah. Oh, I thought I said it. I thought that was one of the first ones I said. I, I checked them out of my box. I thought I said yeah. AM. They were okay. six. So you uh okay. pretty much killed that. That was uh well done, sir. BYU, yeah, yeah, they weren't power five, so I won't count that one against you. I think you got basically the seven in like eight guesses, so there you I go. You, I did give you a hint there at the end, but um Well, I I thought I said AM to be fair. Like I don't know. Like I just checked it. I thought I said AM. That was that was my mistake. I thought they were the one I, the first one they said. Um well there you go. That was there's good. Your, that was there's, a, your, there's your trivia question for the for the week. I like it. I'm awake now. I, I'm I'm wide awake. No, that's good. I, I like that. And it's also just like I don't think any of those programs are going anywhere, right? Like when we go down that list, those groups, like we're just I think they're all gonna get their crack at uh I, like, I don't know. Out of that list, who do you think is most likely next? Who do you think? Because I think... Yeah, because I think when we talked about it last week, I said mm-hmm. USC, I thought, would be the next team to make their first playoff appearance. But from that list, who do you But think? from this list, I'm going Oklahoma State. Like Interesting. Wisconsin... I'm going a Wisconsin's A&M. really good, but they just... There just seems to be something holding Wisconsin back. Like, I just... I don't... I don't believe in them. Wisconsin or Iowa, like beating whoever comes out of the big 10 east basically that and that's always what it comes down to and it's usually ohio state 
Yeah, I'm going to say A&M there, but uh, you could sell me on a bunch of different ones. Well, we're going to do our five teams who make the leap in 2022, Matt Green, uh, based on what happened in 2021. And we just see as the biggest jump potential. I have my five. You have your five. Um, I think we just go back and forth. I think there's going to be some crossover. Um, and I did mine in order of who I think is going to make the biggest, the biggest leap. And from biggest to smallest of the five. Um, so I'll start off with my number five. And then you can tell me if this if this team made your list. You ready? Right. Hit me. Penn State is my number five. Penn State did not make my list. That's a, that's a pretty good one, though. I think um, quarterback play still kind of worries me. And just at the end of the day, like in terms of, you know, where they are as a program, like, mm-hmm. you know, they're right there, ready to take a step. But in order for them to take a huge leap, they got to get by Ohio State. And most years, I don't really see that happening. I especially in 2022 do not see that happening. I think Ohio State's just got so much firepower. I don't know how much better Penn State can necessarily be. Like, what what were they? Nine and three? Seven, oh, they were seven and six last year. Yeah. So they could easily, they could be a nine, 10 win team for sure. That'd be a nice little upgrade. But um, it's going to be tough. In that in that Big Ten East, well, that's why I had them like seven and six. I think people are like overreacted to their season last year, so that's why I have them as a leap team. Is that like I think people went too far the other way, and I agree with you on the Ohio State point, which is that like they're not a seven and five program; they're somewhere in that nine ten range. So I think they're going to bounce back. Mike Yersich is back, so they get uh, some continuity there at the OC spot. They didn't lose both their defensive coordinators, which is important. Um, uh, but yeah, so Poindexter is still there. Um, I am, I'm curious cause he was, uh, he was in the running for that UVA job before it went to Elliot, but, um, losing Noah Kane's going to hurt, uh, him going LSU bounds going to hurt, but Sean Clifford, like what we've seen too, is these veteran quarterbacks win. And it's nice to have a veteran quarterback like Sean Clifford, if he could stay upright and you've got this five-star kick coming in behind him. So if worst case scenario doesn't work out, you got, you got some talent behind him. Um, but I don't know. I'm pretty optimistic that Franklin, the dude just wins a lot of football games. He's one of the top 10 coaches in this league. And I think he's going to, he's going to bounce back. I think people went way too far the other way with Penn state. And I think people are gonna be like, Oh, Penn state eight and two or nine and two at the, in November. And they're like, Penn state, they're good. Or even just one loss in November. I think Penn state, they beat Auburn this year. Uh, I think they're just a team that's probably like, hey, oh, right, this is a lot better of a team, and they just had the season from hell last year. Like, I don't think they're going to be in the playoff, but I also think they're going to be one of those had, teams. They had the season from hell in 2020, though, also. True. So it's, it's not necessarily a guaranteed uh, bounce back. I do think it's a good year to get at Auburn mm-hmm. if you're going to get it, but I, I, don't, I wouldn't pencil that down as an automatic win either. Yeah. Well, either way, uh, that's my number five. So they're not on my list. Who is your number five, Matt Green? Um, my number five, and just looking at strictly win-loss totals, maybe not the best selection. Yours is the seven and six Penn State's a little better, mm-hmm. but uh, I went Wisconsin at nine okay. and four just because I I don't know what that Big Ten West is going to look like. And Wisconsin, fun fact for you, Wisconsin's finished <laughs> unranked the last two years in a row, mm-hmm. you got to go back to 2001 to 2003. The last time Wisconsin finished unranked multiple seasons in a row. They just, huh. they're just such a consistent program. I, I feel. And with what, with what is in the big 10 West right now, like, you know, Minnesota had a good year. Like, are you, are we buying Minnesota coming into 2022? Like Iowa? Like, yeah, you never, I was never going to be bad. I was, 
they're kind of just like Wisconsin in that in that respect. But I think um, if Wisconsin gets some things figured out offensively, like like you, they were scoring more points at the end of the season, I'm not necessarily sure they actually figured things out offensively. But I feel like they got off to a bad start, so I could see Wisconsin being a, a 10, 10 and two, maybe losing the um, the Big Ten championship kind of season. Like I, I think they'll they'll have a bounce back. I think I definitely think they're going to win the West next year. I don't love that Graham Mertz is back like that. They really dipped their toes. Like the Caleb Williams factor would have been amazing. Like what this team would have looked like with Caleb Williams next year. Um, I don't know. Like them were just buying all the stock. They're on my list if they get Caleb Williams, but. Um, there's still questions there, but they they figured out who they were. If you watch those games late in the year last year, they went back to like, oh, right, we're supposed to run the ball 37 times and just bury teams that way. Like Wisconsin was not meant to uh, rally around a young superstar quarterback in Graham Mertz. They forgot who they were. It's Jim Sorge you. It's Brooks Bollinger you. Let's get back to the bread and butter. And, yeah, and that that's who we are. So um yeah that's a good pick i think they're gonna bounce back and i would also lean that they would be my big 10 west early early favorites in the big they 10 play west. basically nobody at a conference like it's illinois nice. state new mexico state washington state i mean washington state wasn't right. bad last year but we'll still be all right i think wisconsin should be able to handle them um at home my number four texas a&m are they on your list a&m is not on my list oh I, you're not an AM guy at all. I'm not, not an AM guy. I don't know what it is. Like, obviously, like they're building a legit program out, out out there, you know? Like we've seen how they've recruited and everything, but they they still went eight and four last year. Like, there's mm-hmm. how many eight win seasons is this team gonna have and like and then be preseason top ten, top fifteen? Like it it seems like that's what they are every single year. Granted, last year, you know, you had the Haynes King thing. I think if Max Johnson comes in and he gives them some consistency, or if it's just Haynes King, if he's the guy, I think that that really A and M definitely they're definitely a candidate. Like I won't I won't disagree with you there. I just I have such a hard time picking anybody to be that second best team in the West. It could be A and M. It could be Arkansas. You know, it it really remains to be seen. Is the Miami game a neutral side or is that in College Station? Oh, you know, that's a good question. I um, need to look that up. I can't tell. I, oh, it's at Kyle Field. Okay, good. Um, okay. That's good. Um, they also get App State early and a home game. That's pretty cool. They have a cool schedule. So here's the case for AM. When you look at it, and like you said, eight and four, I see 10 and two, 11 and one on this calendar. And I think there is just so much pressure now um, on this program. Like you have this class, but it's like we said, it's not just like they had one class and now you're like, Hey, you have a bunch of freshmen. You should win now. No, it's like, this is like the penultimate class based on what you've done to this point. Like Jimbo Fisher has recruited his tail off at college station for years now. And this has just been his great class. And you mentioned Haynes King, but it's also, they have a five-star kid, Connor Wigman, I think is his name that they like a lot apparently. So it could be one of three different guys, uh, come this fall in college station, but it's also the deepest quarterback room that they've had, since Jimbo's gotten there and we've had questions about who's going to be under center. Zach Calzada was not the guy. And he had that one once in a moment uh, type deal against Alabama. But I think you're in a good position. If you have to pick between Haynes, uh, Max Johnson and the freshman Connor, like that's a really good spot to be in. So what that tells me is this is going to like, everything is set up for this to be the best 
Jimbo offense he's had since he's been in college station. Like I'm all in on the defense. Like they're going to be fine. Like DJ Durkin's taking that over. They're going to be fine. Um, the pieces are there. The one thing that scares me is that they now they burned uh, Alabama win at home last year, and now they have to go to Tuscaloosa this year. And that yeah, might you decide. Gotta, you got to learn from Auburn. You got to you got to coordinate those wins over Alabama when you have everything and you can get to the SEC championship. I'm I'm dead serious. Like that's how you have to look at it. It's like you have to that Auburn is the kings of that of just coordinating like we're beating Georgia, Alabama, and everyone we need to at this particular time, and that's it. Like we're making and we're sure we're be irrelevant for another four years. Exactly. Exactly. Um, but you look at the schedule, they still get Arkansas at home, they get Ole Miss at home, they get Florida at home. And they get LSU at home. They have to go to Auburn. This is a good year to go to Auburn. And you go to Alabama, like I said. But I think A&M is going to be favored in every single game this season, except for the Alabama game. And if they go 11-1, and and that might be a blessing in disguise if this team wins every game outside of the Alabama game, and Bama wins the West, is they avoid the SEC title game. And an 11-1 A&M team that their only loss is to uh, the Crimson Tide, they're in the playoff. We just saw two SEC teams get in. It won't have to be a rematch type situation. I am com- like my gut well, tells an, me not an immediate rematch at least. Right. I think AM right now, I think they get in as one of two SEC teams again. And I think they go eleven to one. I look at the schedule and I'm like, I could see like this is it. Like I'm buying your stock now, Jimbo. And like I'm doing number this. Number four on your list. This sounds like number one on the list, right here. Well, it's because they went eight and four last year, and I'm not putting the number one because they're just so much talent. Like what annoys me about them is it's just more of like this is what it should be now. Like this is the like you're in the big game now. Like this is what you should be doing. Like you're not number one because the leap should not be this high. Um, and we saw the peaks of what they could be by beating Alabama last year. Um. I don't know. I think you could make the case that they're higher, but the the teams on my list that I put higher, I just I think it's a bigger leap. That's fair. I it's hard to say like this is what you should be doing because like we've seen what the SEC West is year in and year out, right? Like so like they shouldn't have beaten 2019 LSU. They shouldn't have beaten 2020 Alabama, right? Like they honestly shouldn't have beaten 2021 Alabama, but but they did. So I feel like when I when I just look at everybody's schedule, I feel like the Mississippi state game is the game like Mississippi state's going to ruin everybody <laughs> like that. Like whatever, however many games they win this year, it's like no one was expecting that preseason. It's like, you're, you're making whatever prediction you make for Ole Miss or Arkansas or A&M you're penciling in Mississippi state every single time. And they're going to beat somebody. They're a quality team and they beat A&M last year. So I could definitely see the A&M taking that step, but are we going to be surprised if we're here next year and they had another eight and five season, nine and four? Like I won't be surprised by that either. It would surprise me at this point. It would surprise me if this year they don't put it together. They have too much talent in the quarterback room now. Like this offense should be humming. If this offense is not finally humming in 2022, we have to have some real conversations about where Jimbo's offense is going because I was about to say, if they don't win 10 games, is, is it their hot seat talk? It's not hot 20? seat because it's like, I think we talked about this too. It's like you're AM. Like it's not like this tradition of just college football dominance. Like you're in the best state you've ever been in, like ever. Like this is the best situation you've ever been in. And you don't want to make a change before Texas comes in. And you don't want to give an opening to Austin as they like, cause Austin right now is number two and it's a distant number two. AM is a better program right now. They're in better shape. 
Um, See, it's just, it's funny though. It like, you can, you can approach it from a logical, mm-hmm. like rational way, like you're saying, but it, there's, there's an intangible factor there on when the losses come, right? Just the feeling you have when you lose a game, you don't think you should lose, you know, that sort of thing. Like, like with Dan Mullen in Florida in 2020, like how great of a season that was for it to end on such a poor note, like it created that pressure going into 2021, right? Like if, if LSU somehow beats A&M, not somehow, I mean, they beat them last year, but like if LSU were to upset A&M the, the last game of the season, that's the sort of thing that could derail their momentum. Like, so I, I could see A&M being a double digit win team for sure. Um, it just, they're just one of those teams that it's, it's just so hard. They're so, they seem so hard to predict every year. Yeah. But Hey, this is what you, you get what you pay for. Uh, you get what you pay for. Uh, who was your number four? Uh, my number four is LSU. Okay. So not on my a, list. A lot of that based on what was it? Four and seven, <sighs> six and seven. Now I'm, I'm not exactly. Yeah, I'm getting my, rec- I'm getting my records off here. Three and but five. Six and, and seven at, six and seven at LSU feels like three and nine. Uh, like yeah. It, it. Yeah, exactly. And, and do you know who they open with next year? Uh, I do not. It would be cool if it was in a college stadium, like we always oh, talk no. about. But yeah. they are in not Mercedes-Benz Stadium, but okay. Mercedes-Benz Superdome against okay. Florida State. Hmm. So that's a, a an interesting brand game, right? Like we don't know how good either of those teams necessarily will be in 2022. But um, I just think LSU they just I they just seem like a team that's like a quicker fix than most. And just mm-hmm. looking at their schedule. I think it's very manageable. Like, obviously, they have the SEC West. You have Florida and um, who is it? Florida and Tennessee from the East. So, it's not necessarily the most easy draw, but they do have uh, Tennessee at home. So, I just, mm. I think Brian Kelly's a very good coach. I think Ed Ordron was not. And I think the talent was not the reason why LSU was not good in 2021. Like, they obviously, didn't they did not have the talent they had from Joe Burrow that 2019 team like and you saw the the huge drop off but I'm just, I'm convinced that Brian Kelly is just that much better of a coach than Ed Orgeron that this team's going to be at the very least eight eight win team and I think they're probably going to be flirting more with nine ten wins like I I would not be surprised at all if this is a ten and two team next year. That would be a high jump for me. The West is just so brutal. I think it's still going to take a year or two for Brian Kelly. Like, I think he's going to win. I just think it's going to take... That's just so much turnover, man. And, I mean, getting Miles Brennan back helps. So, a little bit of stability there. And like you said, getting... I mean, getting Kane in that backfield is going to help a lot, too. They're, they replenished on the transfer portal front big time. But, I don't know. I just think it's going to take a year before the wins come. I think you'll see a much better product. But, man... I am so curious to see who wins the Brian Kelly versus Marcus Freeman war, because I don't think both are just like slam dunks. I am. I think one breaks out and one is just like, there's going to, it's like the Belichick Brady thing where there's going to be like a winner here. And I am, I'm curious because I think Freeman's a boomer bus guy. And I think Brian Kelly's a boomer bus guy in Baton Rouge. Like either Brian Kelly wins big and it's an amazing success at LSU or it's just going to be a horrible cultural fit. And we just see like this went off the rails really quickly. And we should have seen this coming. 
Like, I don't think there's a middle ground. I don't think Brian Kelly's doing eight and four for three years in a row at Notre Dame. I don't, or at uh, LSU. And I also don't think uh, Marcus Freeman's doing eight and four, nine and three every year. Like, he's either going to be an awesome hire and just kill it right away at Notre Dame, or it's like, uh oh, we made a mistake here. See, I think a little bit too much is being made of these like viral videos and the the accent, like whatever is fake Southern accent or whatever about the culture fit. At the end of the day, LSU is about winning football games. And Brian Kelly has proven to be like one of the most consistent coaches in all of college football, like at multiple stops at a Cincinnati at Notre Dame. <clears throat> Excuse me. So I um I have a lot of confidence that Brian Kelly will just like he'll prevent LSU from just being a roller coaster. Like I think he can get them back on, yeah, this is a nine win team and they're good years. They can win 10, 11 games. So I, uh, I have, I have confidence in Brian Kelly. So I think that's probably what a lot of my prediction is based off. It's also LSU going six and seven. Just they got to bounce back from that. Right. That just doesn't seem like LSU football. So that's kind of, that's kind of where I'm coming from from there. That's fair. Um, my number three, the Tennessee Volunteers. You're not going to believe this, Matt Green, but they made my list. The Tennessee Volunteers, uh, seven and five last year. Did they make your list? They did make my list. Oh, okay. Where are they at your list? Where are they at yours? Um, I actually have them number one on my list. Look at you, Matt Green, trying to get himself back in the good graces <laughs> here on the Chase Thomas podcast. I like it. What a turn. What a face turn. Uh, you started your morning with a heel turn and you ended it with a face turn. I like it, Matt. You keep me guessing. <laughs> Something like that. And it's it's also, it's part of the, my list is you know, how much room you have to go up, right? Mm-hmm. So at seven and six, looking at Tennessee's schedule, I just feel like there's a lot of wins on that schedule. Like I think like with a program like Florida in, in flux, whatever you want to call it, like Florida is just in, in transition right now. Like I think that bodes well for Tennessee. And like South Carolina is the is the biggest South Carolina, Kentucky are those two biggest like contenders to to be the second best team in the East, and I I just don't see them be either of them being better than Tennessee. So I think a lot of what happened with Tennessee, I think, was getting off to the slow start with Hendon Hooker not being the guy under center, and once he was, like you saw, this is a a much better team. And I think I think it's reasonable to expect a just just a natural bump in year two. Just every most teams with a a good head coach, they take that step in year two. So I could easily see Tennessee going from, you know, seven and six in 2021 to, to be in nine and three, maybe 10 and three winning the bowl game, that sort of thing. I think that's definitely, that's definitely possible. And their, their last 10 win season was 2007. So I think the, the, the room is there for Tennessee to grow up to, to improve. And I also think the East is in a position where where they'll be able to do that. It's it's kind of funny. Like we talk so much about Auburn being in this terrible position where they have to play Georgia and Alabama every year, and I feel like so many people forget that Tennessee is also in that exact position where they have to play Georgia and Alabama every year. They're just not yep. as suffocated geographically, I guess. But um, it, it's a, it's a tough job, you know. So it's it's hard to think to have anything better than that. I think at Pittsburgh, you know losing Kenny Pickett and everything. I just, I think that's going to be a win in 20. And I think that would have been a win in 2021 with, with Hendon hooker and under center. So I could, I definitely see Tennessee taking a step, uh, a step in the right direction in, in 2022. 
Well, Keaton Slovis is stepping in there. So that is something to consider. Is Pitt did That's replace true. him with another potential star. So I'm not penciling that game in as a win. Um, I think that's going to be a back and forth. Just It's going to be a fun game, folks. Just go ahead and mark that down in your calendar. Hooker versus Slovis and Pitt will be will be fun. Um, but that's a big game. Like That's a swing game between eight and nine wins on the season, potentially. Um, Florida is just the, the biggest wild card. Like If you're going to beat Florida and get this monkey off your back, this is the freaking year to do it. It's in Neyland. I'll be in there. I'll be throwing up before the game, hyperventilating uh, before this game. But if you're going to do it, man, this is it because Florida will not be down for long. I'm a, I'm a Napier buyer. And like, it's just, if you're going to do this, this is the year to do it. And you look at the rest of this calendar, like you said, Matt, like this, if you want LSU, this is the year you want LSU, the, the transition at- year at lsu too correct like this is when you want to do it when brian kelly's still getting a feel of things like they replaced army with uh akron so joe moorhead comes to town um but you get kentucky at home which is a big one like they might be the biggest roadblock to finishing number two in the east um so they get them at home that they lost the last home game to uh kentucky two years ago with jared garantano who got booed relentlessly in that game that was that was a really horrific uh game that i don't ever want to go back and revisit but <laughs> and then you get like mizzou south carolina and vanderbilt to end the season three you ended on a three-game win streak and you're really cooking with something but i don't know uh at georgia like you get bama at home that doesn't matter we're not being bama so there's only one guaranteed loss i would say there's a strong possibility we don't beat georgia either but crazier things have happened man josh Dobbs went into athens and won against those Georgia Bulldogs. Well, but that Tennessee team was also, they were like top 10. I think Georgia That's, was like hold on, hold ranked on, or so. Hold on, hold on. Just to be clear, Tennessee, S&P Plus, number nine going into the year. They are a top 10 team going into the year. So I think it, the whole point is like if Stetson Bennett, if that offensive line, like you guys just like torpedoed Stetson season. Like you you bring in Mr. Seals from North Carolina and you're just like Stetson, good Sturles. luck. My, Sturles, yeah. Good luck, my friend. Like, uh, I don't know if you've watched Sam Howell take the beating he's taken in, uh, in, um, why am I saying Charlotte? And why am I blanking on where Chapel Hill? Chapel Hill. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's Georgia fans should be worried. Like that was, we were texting back and forth about that, but I mean, Coley still happened and no coach is perfect in the hiring process. And I don't know. It was a weird hire, man. And Georgia fans, I was reading some of their stuff. Like they were pretty concerned. There was, but then there was a lot of people who were like, oh, it's fine. And you're, you're someone who I understand you just won the title and there is no reason not to trust Kirby smart at this point. And I agree with that sentiment, but that the door is open. Like that is like the offensive line was okay last year. It wasn't elite as it usually is. And now you're rocking the boat a little bit more by going with a, at the very least, an uninspiring hire like this is not a matt luke this is not a sam Pittman hire this is not someone like that so of course i think um i don't know you should be at least a little bit concerned you should be at least concerned it was definitely not their first choice right mm-hmm. so from that perspective like george didn't necessarily get the guy they wanted but rodney gardner is already just he's chomping at the bit with tyler baron and company. <laughs> i just know stacy searles is going to be coaching a lot better players on george's offensive line than he was <clears throat> on north carolina's offensive line. he was also at miami though he was bad at miami talk to any miami fans when? they were not a fan what was that miami a few miami years ago? A while ago yeah he was at miami miami's too. been bad for a while too so george has got know. way better talent on that offensive line like is can he recruit like 
you know, that'll be, you know, a whole nother thing because Georgia clearly took a step in the right direction. Uh, just a huge improvement of recruiting the offensive line once Kirby took over. A lot of that due to Sam Pittman, but you've seen it since Sam Pittman. We're still getting elite offensive line recruits. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing that's positive is that I think the 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 most big time offensive lineman recommit rec- they have in the 2023 class has already said he's firm staying with Georgia. So so that's mm-hmm. a good sign. But it, it's hard it's hard to get too worried about anything right now as a Georgia fan with, I just, I feel like I just trust Kirby smart is going to make the right decision. Um, obviously James Coley did happen. It's also like his third year as a head coach. Like I think Kirby's learned a lot in his six years. Also the offensive coordinator position. I think that's a lot more like if you get that wrong, it's going to pay a lot bigger difference than getting the offensive line coach wrong. Obviously all these guys jobs matter, but I, um, I tend to I tend to uh, to trust that Kirby uh, Kirby knows what he's doing. But going back to Tennessee, the last thing I'm glad you said um, the thing about the Florida game. I think that is without a doubt the most important game on this entire schedule. If they do not start the season four and zero, it's going to be hard to be like really confident about Josh Heupel and like the job he's doing. Like you don't want to just put a four game sample size. Granted. Two of those are cupcake games, but the at Pitt and Florida, like this team's got to be four and zero. And I, well, what are they going to be ranked preseason? Probably 15, 17 or something. They're going to be probably top twenty yeah. preseason. So you start four and zero, you, and then you got LSU. You got a bye week before going at LSU. Like you, you start potentially five and zero before you play Alabama. Like Tennessee's going to be in the top ten. So you just you need to see those small numbers next to your team. And on the scoreboard to just to just start to get confident, to just start to get some enthusiasm that this program is going in the right direction. Like, not that any Tennessee fans don't think it's going in the right direction. I think I don't know if you listened to to Josh Pate earlier this week on the mm-hmm. SEC kind of uh, I don't know what he called it, State of the Union, or just kind of how the, checking the pulse of all the different mm-hmm. teams. And it was kind of interesting. Like after Brian Harson there's really no teams that have a coach even remotely close to a hot seat right now. Like it seems like a lot of, a lot of programs are very like satisfied with, with the current guy they have. I would say maybe Missouri. Is that probably the, well, Missouri because they had a hot seat in any way, just had like a top 15 recruiting class, you know? Well, I mean, he's different, different standards too at Missouri. Well, different AD too. So they got a new AD after, um, Drinkwitz was hired so there's no connection there so that's always something you circle is like is there a connection between the ad and the coach and right now they don't have that so i don't think he's in the hot seat but it's not like he the the current administration is not tied to eli Drinkwitz. if you're trying to come up with the coach that i forget how his phrasing of it it was a good phrasing to like just kind of how they're feeling about him but if you're giving like just how confident you are in your head coach like with Harson obviously being in last place in the SEC there, like who's who's in 13th? Who's in the second to last place there? Oh, uh, Clark Lee. Throw Vanderbilt out. Okay. <laughs> yeah, Vander, that's probably a good call. But after one year, yeah. like you're – I mean, but it's still even just bad. With like the thirtieth ranked recruiting class this past year, like no, were they thirty? No, were they were they up thir- there. I I okay. promise you. So it was like a good recruit, but it's it's Vanderbilt, right? Like 
you never know. They're just they're be they're going to accept him being bad for five years, and they're going to move on and and hire their next head coach. But after yeah. that, I was struggling to find anyone who's like Mike Leach, Drinkowitz, like like I don't know, like Mark Stoops and Sam Pittman are up there, and like. Saban and Kirby territory like those those fan bases are completely content with the job those guys are doing so it, yeah. it's interesting there's a, just a lot of positivity around a lot of different programs South Carolina and Tennessee are clearly happy about their current situation some of these first year head coaches you know you don't really know what you're going to get necessarily yet but it's they were a, it's 32 by the way time. 32 okay that's wild so it, I didn't yeah notice. it's an interesting time right now no, it's not. They're not winning games. I'm throwing this out. Sorry, not doing it. Sorry, Vanderbilt fans. Um, <laughs> not sorry. We're, I can't wait to beat you again this fall. Um, yeah, I don't know. That's now. That's an area. I, I want to think about that some more. But we'll see. I'll we'll throw see that ultimately. question on another, on another pod. Yeah. Um, so Tennessee was my number three. Who is your number three, Matt Green? Uh, my number three is Miami. Oh, they're not on my list. Uh, I think Miami just. They were they they showed signs once uh once Tyler Van Dyke took over last year I thought they they looked like a much better team um seven and five also there's a lot of room to go up so I I'm probably not picking them today to beat Texas A&M uh but just with the ACC schedule it's just it's a manageable it's a manageable schedule so I I like I like Miami to you know take a huge step but I like I could easily see them winning nine and maybe even 10 games this year. I mean, the thing that helps them is that they're in the ACC and the ACC exactly. is just asking for Miami to win games. I mean, like we saw though, they have to go on the road at college station. Um, they have to just win. Like they're a team that kind of like, we've seen this before in different ways where we've gotten excited. Like even the early Mark Richt years, we were like, Oh, this is, they're competent. Like Mark Richt is going to be your two. They were ranked. Well, were they number two? Like last I game of the season before losing to Pittsburgh? I think that's right. And I think people forget that. It's like Miami's been close. Like Rick actually was pretty successful early on. Um, it just spiraled out of control really quick. But like it was uh, early success in the – it was just something – hindsight's twenty twenty. But like early on, it was it was going pretty well. Um, yeah, I think Rick was burnt out. Yeah. Uh, the recruiting right. stuff and everything. Yeah. But, the health issues and stuff yeah. he's obviously admitted to. Yeah. But – I uh, I don't know. I think, I mean, Van Dyke, I like a lot. He's a slinger, and I think he's going to be good for them. But I don't know. Uh, ten wins. That's that's a lot for year it one. It is Crystal a lot. Ball. And I'm also not super high on Crystal Ball. So that's one of the things, too. It's I don't know. Like, I'm not as, as gung-ho that, as some people are about Crystal Ball, you know, bringing the U back or whatever, whatever people say he's going to do. I just look at the schedule. This team went seven and six last year. And it's like this is a good schedule. I'm yeah, at like now. at A and M is tough, but like in your first few games in the ACC, North Carolina, at Virginia Tech, Duke, at Virginia, like you should win all of those games. The ACC is such a difficult conference to predict what's going to happen, but like Florida State is at home, Clemson's on the road late. Like that's obviously going to be the toughest game on the schedule. But I I could see this team winning nine ten games. Yeah, I um. I could see it. Like I'm looking at, I love that they're playing Pitt to end the year. That might decide some stuff in the ACC. I love that that's the last game of the season. That could be fun. Go ahead and circle that one. Um, my number two, Texas. I think Texas, based on them having the season from hell last year, a lot of close games, a lot of close losses. 
Um, they showed signs. Bijan Robinson's back. It looks like Quinn Ewers is going to be the guy. And by all accounts, he's a future superstar. And if that's the case, like them winning six or seven games is probably not in the cards again. Like Texas just has too much talent now for that to be the case. So I think they're a team that people have written off a little bit with Sark. And I just, Sark actually has a great track record as a head coach. And I, uh, I don't know. I think they're for me, like they're a high bounce back team. I'm like the other thing that helps is that I think Oklahoma state takes a step back. I think Baylor is their biggest challenger in the big 12 this year. I think Iowa state takes a step back. And then you look at the biggest one, Oklahoma, they're changing everything. Like I was say, did you forget Oklahoma was in this? No, like they're, they're changing everything. Like Brent Venables is a huge wild card. We have no idea what kind of head coach he's going to be. We have no idea. We just know that Jeff Levy is now running that offense. We don't know what Dylan Gabriel is going to be like. They don't have Caleb Williams and Spencer Rattler to deal with anymore. They are like, this is the time. Like, I mean, obviously they've been back and forth with Oklahoma individually, but like Oklahoma is not a slam dunk win this conference this year. And I think as of right now, there is, you could sell me on, Texas Big 12 champions this year. And Isaiah Nair, I think, is going to be a star for them. Um, I'm still pretty upset that uh, <laughs> he spurned the balls at the last minute. He was getting Jamison Williams uh, comparisons this week, which is just making me wow. more and more sick. Um, but yeah, I think uh, Texas is my number two. Who's your number two? Yeah, I also had Texas number two. And a oh. lot of it. A lot of it's based on, you know, just going five and seven, right? Like there's there's a lot of room to 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 w- move up there. Like obviously Alabama, it's pretty much a guaranteed loss right there, even though it is at home. Mm-hmm. That'll that'll be a maybe that'll who knows? Maybe they can uh channel their there's that Calzada and have an out-of-body experience. Who knows, uh, with that home game. But I think Alabama, we all expect them to really be kind of on a mission this year. That kind of seems to be how it is when they don't win the national championship. But like you said, I don't know necessarily what to expect, um, how Oklahoma State and Baylor are going to follow up uh, their, their really good seasons. And mm-hmm. then Oklahoma is just a lot of question around Oklahoma. So I could easily see this to being a nine, a nine win team in the regular season, if not more. So, I mean, they get nine wins. That's adding four wins to this schedule. And I could see them going 10 and two. So it's tough. In the uh, in the Big Twelve, there just seems so many of these games always just seem to be so competitive. But they gotta have a decent amount of them at home, like Baylor. I mean, I'm not really sure what to expect out of Iowa State this year. And obviously, we said Alabama. Like all those games are at home. Oklahoma State's on the road. Obviously, Oklahoma is a neutral site. But yeah, I could definitely and and just year two. I'm just a I'm a real believer in year two that good head coaches show a significant improvement in their teams in year two. And so I could, I could definitely see Texas being that team and the big 12 championship. That seems like a, a realistic possibility. You're not going to believe who my number one is Matt green. Are you sitting uh, down? Who's that? Are you I sitting believe, down? I'm at least the, Oh wait, who? No, you said Tennessee was your three, right? Who was your number one? The Houston Cougars, not just the, any Houston Cougars, the college football playoff bound Houston Cougars next season. So I saw them on your list and I was a little confused by Houston. I'm like, this team mm-hmm. went 12 and two in 2021. How much better can they really be? How much better? They make the freaking playoff. That's what I'm saying. They like, know. they're bringing back everybody. They locked up their coordinators. Daniel Holgerson got a good team going. Would you like to guess how many losses they had in their conference this past year? Look it up, Matt Green. 
Look it up. Uh, did they go undefeated in the conference? They did. They did. Matt Green, this is a great team. This is a team that, like, I was thinking about, I was like, who is the next Cincinnati? And I was thinking about, I was like, okay, who is the most likely team to get in outside of Cincinnati? Who Who is this year's version? And I'm like, you know who's great and has a bunch of continuity and just won a lot of games they should have and did? Like, it's it's them. Like, they... <sighs> I don't know, man. They're they're just going to be a good team. They beat SMU last year. They won in a lot of different blowouts. They beat Auburn in the bowl game this past year. They got their guy back under center. Like I, I'm just a believer. They were 15th in offense last year. Their defense is sneaky good. Like this, the Houston defense is not what people think it is. Um, I don't know. I think there's a lot. They're 19th on defense and they're 15th on offense that they could get in the top 10 in both like this is a cincinnati type deal that people might not be ready for cincinnati loses everybody so their only loss last year was in the the championship game against cincinnati but dude they're they're coming like houston is coming like i I just you heard it here first folks late on a wednesday march 2nd when you see that houston is still on the playoff bubble come november and that they need some teams to lose ahead of them just remember I called this now like Houston <laughs> Cougars are going to be a playoff dark horse. And I think they ha- will have the kind of season to do so. I think they'll do it. I don't want to be Buzz Killington here, mm. but I think Cincinnati <sighs> obviously was great for the group of five. It, it could actually be like the worst thing that ever happened to the group of five. Ooh, okay. Because I think it gave an unrealistic expectation that you take care of business and you get in the playoff. Like that's not that's not the reality for the group of five. Like if Oklahoma State and I wish I knew the the running back's name um, on the on that fourth and goal play against Baylor, if he gets in the end zone, Cincinnati's not in the playoff. Oklahoma State is in the playoff. I think they needed a lot of things to happen. A lot of not undefeated, not one loss conference champions. Like they needed a lot of those things to happen in order to get in the playoff. So I just, Houston, I could, I could definitely see him going undefeated, maybe losing a Cincinnati in the, in the uh, conference championship, maybe beating Cincinnati in the conference championship. But I just don't know that they're a playoff team because like every time a PAC 12 team has had a one loss season, granted, I don't know if anyone could do that this year. Every time they've had a one-loss conference champion, they've made the college ball playoff. Like, the ACC as a one-loss conference champion, they make the college ball playoff. You saw Clemson, who makes the playoff every single year, have a three-loss season. Like, that's part of everything that went into Cincinnati, the perfect storm that Cincinnati needed to get into the playoff. So, I'm with you that I feel like Houston will be a good team this year. I don't know if I can say they're going to be in the playoff. Here's the thing. They have to win at Texas Tech September 10th. If they do that, they'll be favored in every... And they lost They don't have Cincinnati on the calendar. They did. Um, So... See, that's kind of alarming. You know, you're... You went 12-2, and and granted, Mm -hmm. it's... It shouldn't be, but we know this is like a process, right? Like, Cincinnati had to prove for like a couple years they were good enough, and they start preseason number nine or eight or wherever they were last year, and and that's why they were able to get in the playoff. It's like a multi-year campaign. I I could see Cincinnati, you know, or Houston being really good, but 
at the same time, like you lost to a bad Texas Tech team. Like they weren't even good last year and they beat them fairly easily. So I um I don't want to pump the I don't want to, you know, rain on your parade here. Uh but it's I, not a parade. I, you can I join or you it. don't. Like the 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 tapes will stand, Matt Green. Like you can join me or not, but like this team went twelve and uh twelve and two last year. Like this is a team that literally doesn't have Cincinnati on the calendar, and their biggest test to going undefeated is just winning in Lubbock with a new first year coach and Joey McGuire. Like that's it. That's all they have to do. If you look but, at the schedule See, but that was the biggest thing that Notre that Cincinnati had going for them is that they had Notre Dame on the schedule. Like true. There's nobody that anybody really respects on this Cincinnati schedule that's going to kind of justify continuing them to be in the top five every week, right? You're I, not a I big just, East Carolina guy. See, I just don't see it. So, and that that's I think I think you're right. I think Houston's going to be a good team, but I just mean in the an overall in terms of them actually getting in the playoff. I'm I'm still skeptical of that. Twelve and zero, and then they just have to see the chips. I'll leave it at that. I think they go twelve and zero. And I think they just put them in a situation where it's like if the right teams lose and the right circumstances present themselves, they're going to be right there. And Cincinnati getting in may have opened the door for another undefeated team who wins the AAC to get in. If uh, some of the other power five teams don't take care of business, that's that's what I'm saying. I'm just saying, Houston, mark it down. You will remember this, Matt Green. I'm a Houston believer. I think they're 12 and 0 this fall and I think they're going to crash the party. But we'll see enough. Hey, I said a few weeks ago on the pod, I was a believer mm-hmm. in uh, Houston, maybe potentially making some noise in the Big 12 and in future seasons. But um, so, yeah, Tennessee was my one. Texas was my oh, two. Yeah. But uh, my three. One we over your three? It, but uh, well, because we were kind of going with we oh, had the yeah. same teams, you know. But mm-hmm. uh, so my number three, not the best, not the best way a runner show here, but um, was NC State. I, uh, you know, they were a good team last year. So, yeah, it's hard to see like too many more wins coming. But you look at this schedule, man, like they have it's it's the ACC for one, but like they were able to beat Clemson last year. Like they do have them on the road next year. But like you got East Carolina, Charleston, Southern, UConn at a conference like nobody's tripping them up out of the conference. And I just think they've, they've been a solid program several years in a row. And I think there's something too like there's a chink in Clemson's armor, you know, like they they were just a, an automatic college football playoff team there for what, five, six years in a row. And now they're not. So now I feel like the, what is it? The Atlantic. I never, mm. get, I never get the conference. We'll the go with it. Yeah. Right? But I, I see them being a contender to actually win the Atlantic. Like I think that's why Miami has a better, whatever division they're in. Miami's in the other one. I think Miami's got a, a more sure, I probably would rank Miami higher in NC State. Honestly, I'm looking at back at this just because I feel like NC State's division is better. It's more a more competitive division. But um, yeah, I just I've been impressed with NC State the last few years, and I uh, I, I could see them, you know, flirting with the top ten this year. Maybe a ten win, regular ten and two regular season. Maybe getting the ACC championship. I could see it. NC State fans, like I just. I think some ACC powerhouse schools are like, hey, this is unacceptable. Like Pitt and Wake, no more. Pitt and Wake ruined all the excuses for the the Habs in the ACC where it's like, no, no, no. We're never doing this again. Like this is insanity that we had a Pitt-Wake ACC title game. Dave Doran, like it's cute. It's great. Like we love believing in you. But guess what? Pitt got in and freaking Wake Forest got in. What? 
you got to get in. Like the no more excuses. If Pitt can do it, if Wake Forest and freaking Wake Forest, the smallest school in FBS, can do it, you can do it. Let's make this happen. Like I understand. Like look, Sam Hartman, handsome guy. Like the sports renaissance <laughs> woman. In, we we can never not mention it on this podcast. Good looking dude. Good looking dude. But that's not enough of a reason for quarterback you, sneaky quarterback you, not to get an ACC title game. Like you, now's the time. Clemson's down. Clemson it's, might be over. Yeah, it potentially could be. Like not necessarily over. Like they could go back to being a good program, like they always yeah. were, just not being a national not elite, title contender. not tier one. Yeah, they're and tier two. Yeah, like you said, sneaky quarterback you. We've talked about that before, and. Devin Leary, he, I mean, that's a dark horse Heisman candidate right yeah. there. Like, if if they are, like, I could see him maybe not putting up like quite P- Kenny Pickett's numbers because he had a he had a big time year. But I could have see him having a similar year and them having a similar year to Pittsburgh, getting in the AC championship, maybe even winning it. Like, I I, uh, I I'm liking NC State this year. Well, there you go, there you go, Green, That's all I've got, sir. That is all I have as well, sir. I uh, this is an excellent pod. I like these themes. Do you have a theme idea for next week? What what theme are you thinking? What can we do next week? We well, you know I've I've had that one teed up for you for a few weeks. The which uh, one? NFL SEC comparisons. I think okay. we, need to, we need to dive into it. Let's I don't know do if you just want me to. I don't know if you just want my list and then you comment, or if you want to have your own list and I have my own list. I think let's do your. Awesome. I like the one list because we go back and forth. Sometimes it can get a little bit messy, but if you do your list, I, I can, I can bounce off it. I can, yeah. I can do it. Yeah. We should do that next week. We got the, we got the combine going on. We got, yeah, it's always NFL season. Let's be honest. The NFL, yes. it's always, they always find a way to, to get themselves in the headlines. And we know baseball is not, not a uh, make any noise anytime soon. So well, minor league is sir. Go support your minor league baseball folks and also go support the college teams. College baseball is a, great thing and i love That's college true. baseball tennessee is lost let me check my notes here zero games to this point still eight now so shout out to the baseball bulldogs are undefeated as well is that right that is correct that I is correct and i can't pretend to be a college baseball fan though but you should get I, into it you should go check out some games at fully field i guarantee you would enjoy it it'd be a fun I'm, thing i definitely plan to, to check out a game at some point this year yeah that's all right to get up to athens there you go matt green we can find you on twitter matt underscore w underscore green uh i will talk to you next week all right that'll do it for this edition of the chase Summers podcast one more episode coming up in just one second but if you enjoyed listening to matt and myself talk all things college football on this edition of the podcast please do you uh, make sure you go subscribe uh, on apple podcast spotify or wherever you get your podcast also leave us a five-star rating and review and tell us what you like about this show uh, in the review section. That would be great. I would greatly appreciate it. Uh, you can also find us on YouTube. Yeah, the Chase Thomas Podcast. There's a video component. So if you'd rather watch us than listen, uh, yeah, just type in the Chase Thomas Podcast on YouTube. Uh, hit that subscribe button, like it, share it out, all that good stuff, and you'll never miss a video episode either. Uh, don't forget, you can also email <clears throat> this program at chasethomaspodcast at gmail.com. Follow me on Twitter at Chase double underscore Thomas and like the Facebook page at facebook.com slash Chase Thomas writer. All right, Uncle Derek, how'd I do? Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas podcast. Hell yeah.